0: 725 the reading the page is Luke 2 and we're going to start at um, 21 on the eighth day when it was time to circumcise him he was named Jesus the name the angels had given him before he had been conceived when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it was written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, for and for g- glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying coming up to them at that very moment she gave thanks to god and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of jerusalem when joseph and mary had done everything required by the law of the lord they returned to galilee to their town to their own town of nazareth and The child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him.
1: So let's bow in prayer now as we come to think about God's word ourselves. Father, we do want to thank you that you've given us your word that uh, speaks so clearly of who Jesus is and uh, what he's done and how we ought rightly to respond to him. And we pray now that uh, as we listen to your word, that your Holy Spirit would be uh, taking uh, the, the message of, of Jesus and not only informing our minds, but transforming our lives as well. That we might be people who put him first in our lives. And we pray these things now in his most precious name. Amen. I, I think it's true... That might lubricate things a little bit. <clears throat> but I, I think it's true that at this time of year the kind of Christmas, Boxing Day, New Year period, it uh, really does sum up Australian culture. Let me explain why I say that. Uh, You you probably agree with this, that it's a very strange mix of high pressure and total relaxation. So, like, the build-up to Christmas can be a a time of, of great stress uh, in our lives, but I don't know what it's like around your household. But in our place, by Christmas Day afternoon, everyone's half asleep or fully asleep, and then comes the, um, the the frantic images of the Boxing Day sales of people with their faces pressed up against glass at you know six o'clock in the morning, just you know ready to endure the crush in order to grab a bargain or two. And that's, uh, for many of us have experienced, followed by the stress up and down the Pacific Highways. So people and families head for a relaxing holiday on the coast. And contrast that to the peacefulness of the majestic start of the Sydney to Hobart and the familiar sound of, of bat on ball as we settle into a few quiet, relaxed days of test cricket. um, It sums up Australian culture, doesn't it? It's family, sport, it's the beach, it's holidays, it's it's gifts, it's presents, it's things as well. It's a snapshot of what we hold very dear and what we value. And add into that mix the story of the cuddly newborn baby sound asleep in his storybook manger with the shepherds and the cows mooing and the sheep barhing. It's such a warm and peaceful picture, isn't it, of family, of new birth, of gifts, and it just kind of fits in so very nicely into Australian culture and what we think the whole Christmas, Boxing Day, New Year period is all about. It fits in so nicely that it can very easily not actually challenge us. It's just part of the culture. Now, on Christmas Day, we looked uh, from Luke chapter 2 at the birth of Jesus. But today, what I want us to do is I want us to think about what happened after the birth of Jesus. What happened after the shepherds left and went back to their fields and their sheep and and they're fighting off wolves and things like that. If you care to open up your Bibles at Luke chapter 2 on uh, page 725, the passage that Catherine read to us earlier on from verse 21 to verse 40, it starts by saying to us a little bit about the post-natal culture in uh, in Israel, the postnatal culture of the Bible. Now, I don't know if we Aussies have much of a post-natal culture, uh, you know, sometimes ladies like to stay in hospital for a few days and then go back home and maybe they have some help. I know some ladies are out of hospital a day or two afterwards and straight back into doing the shopping and the cleaning and the housework and so on. Other cultures uh, have a period of confinement where a lady may actually just rest for a whole month or so before she gets back into the swing of things, with a lot of help from others of course. But the postnatal culture in first century Palestine was based on the law of God. And uh, it's in this passage which we see some of that. We see that uh, Mary and Joseph were people who really loved God and they obeyed God. And they wanted to obey God in terms of the postnatal culture. And so in verses 21 to 24 there were a few things which had to happen let me just read those verses for you to uh, refresh your memory of those verse 21 it says on the eighth day when it was time to circumcise him he was named jesus everyone following this in your bibles good the name that the angel had given him before he had been conceived when the time of their purification according to the law of moses had been completed Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves of two or two young pigeons. So this is the postnatal culture. And as you can see, it's based on the law of God. And what happened? had to happen. Well first of all, circumcision. Um, For Jewish boys uh, this happened on their eighth day. And uh, circumcision was a it was a symbol, it was a symbol that God had fulfilled his promise that he made to Abraham. You remember that promise, don't you? That God promised Abraham and his wife Sarah that despite the fact that Sarah was barren, despite the fact that they were very, very elderly, that God was going to give them a baby, a boy. It was an impossible, you know, humanly speaking, it was an impossible promise, but it came true. Now, circumcision, you've got to wonder what kind of a symbol is that? It's not a particularly public symbol, is it? It's a very, very private symbol. It's not like a wedding ring, something that everyone can see. But because of circumcision, every male in Israel would be reminded that Adam and, Abraham and Sarah could not bear children as hard as they tried, and it was only by the power and the grace of God that the impossible promise came true, that in their old age they gave birth to a son, Isaac. And as a descendant of Abraham, as a descendant of Isaac, the circumcised child, every circumcised child is the living proof that God is powerful, that God is gracious, that God did fulfill his promise that he made to Abraham because if he hadn't fulfilled that promise, the child wouldn't exist. Israel wouldn't exist. The whole nation would not exist. And that's the meaning of circumcision. That's the kind of symbol that it was. Now, secondly, so the baby had to be circumcised on the eighth day. But secondly, also in verse 21, on the eighth day, Joseph and Mary uh, named their boy Jesus. That was an act of obedience because back in chapter 1, verse 31, the angel who had appeared uh, before Jesus was conceived said that they would name their their baby Jesus and the reason for that is that the word Jesus uh, means the Lord saves. It's the same as the, in the Old Testament, the word, the name Joshua. It's the same name. It means the Lord saves and that is because Jesus would save his people from their sins. Now thirdly, After the birth of a child, a woman was considered to be ceremonially unclean. Um, In the Old Testament, ceremonial uncleanliness was often associated with a change in the person's status or with um, the flow of blood. And with the birth of a firstborn child, both of those things apply. And so in uh, Leviticus chapter 12, in Leviticus 12 verses 1 through to 5... When a, a woman gave birth to a, to a son, she was considered to be ceremonially unclean for 33 days. And during that period of time, she was prohibited from entering into the sanctuary of God. Um, by the way, she had a baby girl. She was only ceremonially unclean for 14 days, which is the menstruation period. Uh, that's what it says. And <clears throat> Now, but, but the point is that during that time, she was not allowed to visit God's sanctuary. So after 33 days, we're told here that the new family made a trek. <clears throat> they left the, uh, the stable in Bethlehem and they, they travelled to Jerusalem. As I said on Christmas Day, that's not a very long journey. It's about, If you get out Google Maps, you'll see it's about 10 kilometres from Bethlehem, to Jerusalem, it would have been more difficult when you're carrying a newborn baby with you as well, but they went to Jerusalem, and they went to Jerusalem as an act of obedience. You see, when we have babies, we tend to be the ones who receive the gifts, but here it was the parents who gave the gift. Do you see what the gift is? What, what is the gift that uh, Joseph and Mary gave in Jerusalem? They did it at the temple <clears throat> and they gave they gave their baby away. They gave Jesus, they consecrated Jesus to the Lord. What do you think that means, by the way, to consecrate the baby to the Lord? <clears throat> do you think it means that they gave thanks to God for the baby? Uh, I'm sure they did that. Uh, is it that they prayed for the baby's future, that the baby would grow up loving trusting and serving the Lord. I'm sure that they did that, but there is actually more to it than that. Um, It is something which was prescribed in Exodus chapter 13. Remember the last of the great plagues that God brought upon Israel. Uh, The last of the great plagues was the death of every firstborn son, and the death of every firstborn cattle. And remember that God had commanded that uh, his people, that they would slaughter a lamb and that they were to paint the blood of the lamb over the doorframe of their houses. And they did that so that when God's judgment came, that God's judgment would pass over those households that were covered in the blood of the lamb and the lamb became known as the passover lamb but the point is that uh, on those households the households of the descendants of abraham that the firstborn son was not killed and so from there on in from there on every firstborn son in israel was considered to be the property of god and had to be given over to God. And that's what Joseph and Mary were doing when they took Jesus to be consecrated at the temple. They are actually handing over their baby to the Lord God. Now Luke doesn't mention it explicitly but there is something implicit in what he says later on where he says in verse 39, that Joseph and Mary had done everything which was required by the law of the Lord, that they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Now, what is implicit in that is that they not only handed Jesus over to the Lord, but that they redeemed him back, that they paid over a sum of five shekels at the, at the temple, in order to redeem their son back from the Lord. And that was prescribed uh, in the Old Testament. And so what it is, it's it's a reminder, it's a reminder of what God had done for his people in in Egypt. It's a reminder that God had actually saved the firstborn as a prelude for saving the whole nation out of their slavery in Egypt and eventually into the freedom of the Promised Land. Now, finally, <clears throat> in Jerusalem, Mary and Joseph also gave to the Lord two birds. Now, this actually tells us a little bit about Mary and Joseph. It tells us that they were not rich. It tells us that they were actually people who were um, you know, in, the, in the lower end of, this, of the economic um, structure. They were poor. Uh, because in Leviticus chapter 12, after childbirth, because a woman was unclean ceremonially, she would have to offer up uh, two sacrifices to the Lord uh, as an atonement for sin. And the first sacrifice would be a lamb, and then she would also have to op- offer up a bird. But what if a young couple could not afford a lamb? Well, there was a poverty provision in, the, in Leviticus chapter 12 and that is in, that in that case that two pigeons would do, um, that they would offer up those two pigeons to the Lord. You see, Jesus, who is the king of heaven, was not born into wealth, he was not born into privilege, uh, but he was born into poverty. And Paul in um, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 8 Uh, talks about this when he says that though he was rich uh, beyond all splendor that for our sakes he became poor so that we through his poverty would actually eventually become rich Uh, not materialistically but rich in terms of our of the things which truly matter uh, an eternity with God at peace with him so in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 he who was rich for our sakes became poor, so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. And you see, what we see in all of this is that the, this postnatal program of circumcision, of sacrifices and so on, these are not just quaint Jewish customs. These are not just the things you do because you do because you do them. These were actually a reminder of God's grace. These were a reminder of human sin. Not that childbirth is sinful, but the system was designed by God as a reminder to us that things are not right between man and God. That a sacrifice for sin must be paid, and that is why they made the trip from Bethlehem to the temple in Jerusalem, where they met some very special people. First of all, they met a fellow by the name of Simeon, uh, let's read about Simeon just to refresh our memories. Verse 25, Verse 25. it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simon took him in his arm and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. Now imagine that scene. Here's this young family, they've arrived at the temple and there was a man there who's been waiting for them for years because God had told Simeon that he would not die until he saw with his own eyes God's Saviour. Notice the work of the Holy Spirit in Simeon's life. Notice that this took place before the day of Pentecost (laughs) It's not as if the Holy Spirit just suddenly arrives on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is the third person of God. He's pre-existent, the third person of the Holy Trinity. Uh, in verse 25, the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. In verse 26, the Holy Spirit had told him that he would see the Christ. And in verse 27, the Holy Spirit had moved him... To, to enter into the temple at that very moment where he laid his eyes upon Jesus. So who arranged this meeting? It was the Holy Spirit. What was it that kept Simeon going all of these years? It was hope. It was a sure and certain hope that was based on a promise to him by God that he would one day see God's saviour king. It was based on the hope that the saviour king would indeed come, and Lord, he says now, I'm ready to go. (laughs) Dismiss your servant. I'm fully satisfied. There's another person they met on that day. We read about her in verse 36. Uh, A prophetess by the name of Vanna, the daughter of Thaniel of the tribe of Asher, that's one of the northern tribes that had disappeared, She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. That's a long time to be a widow, isn't it? A young woman loses a husband, lives as a widow until she's 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. And coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. You know, I find it uh, rather interesting sometimes how we, how we judge greatness amongst other Christians. Um, <clears throat> I was listening to someone speaking the other day and he was talking about uh, another fellow who he said was his favourite preacher. And he said, he described the other preacher as having the X factor, and by that he meant that he was confident, he was, he was very smooth, he was very engaging. He had the X factor. As to whether or not he actually taught the truth about the gospel, well, I'm not convinced about that. But he had the X factor. Friends, here is a picture of a truly great woman of God. She's 84 years old. She's been a widow for most of her life. She is a nobody in the eyes of the world. There is not much X factor happening here. And yet this woman is one of the greatest. For how does she spend her days? Verse 37, worshipping God, fasting and praying. What do you think she's been praying for? Well, in verse 38, she prayed for the redemption of Jerusalem. She prayed for the birth of God's king. She prayed for the coming of the saviour of the world. This lady, friends, she prayed for the greatest event in all of history to happen. And guess what God did? He answered her prayer in the coming of Jesus. That's greatness, isn't it? She's one of the truly great ones. But, you know, so far, I would suggest that this story still fits in reasonably nicely with the Australian Christmas Day, Boxing Day, New Year's kind of culture. Because it's a story about a a young couple and their newborn baby. It's a story about their customs it's a story about two elderly people who are now feeling pretty satisfied it's a story which fits in very well but only only if we actually ignore the words which Simeon spoke because remember Simeon spoke to Mary and Joseph didn't he particularly to Mary have a look at what he said in verse 34 in verse 34 It says, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now does that sound like great news for Mary and Joseph? I mean, it's a prophecy, isn't it? It's a prophecy about the future of Jesus. It's a prophecy about what Jesus would do in his life. It's a prophecy about what would happen to Jesus. Well, in verse 35, Simeon prophesies that Jesus would offend people by exposing the guilt of their sin In verse 34, Jesus will be greatly opposed. I guess in Aussie culture, um, not too many people oppose Jesus violently, do they? Uh, Or his followers. We're not subject to violent persecution because of the fact that we follow Jesus, as are Christians in North Korea and in parts of the Middle East and North Africa and the Sudan. But we Aussies are just too relaxed to do that. (laughs) Uh, We Aussies, in our culture, people are not violent towards Jesus. I think people just are apathetic towards Jesus. We're just indifferent towards Jesus. I remember one Christmas, it was a few years back now, some of us were doing some... uh, Door knocking around Port Macquarie, just talking to people about Jesus, and uh, went into. I was with another person. We went and visited one lady in her home, and it was the home was beautiful. It was one of those houses that you know. I'm sure if we were there for night time, the whole of the outside would have been lit up with, you know, with the lights and all of this sort of business. See the lights all set up outside and inside the house. There was the magnificent Christmas tree with all of the tinsel and the Christmas bells and the Presents under the tree, and the place was just covered with Christmas cards, and uh, you know many of them with pictures of Jesus in His manger. And as we talked to the lady, she told us how much she loved Christmas. She said, "I just—it's just my absolute my favourite time of the year. I love Christmas." But when I mentioned Jesus, the conversation just ground to a halt. The conversation just kind of froze when we started speaking about Jesus and why he actually came, that was the end. And for me, it seemed to me that that was was kind of like a snapshot of sin because we love the baby in the manger, but the problem is we want to keep him in the manger where he does not rule over our lives and cannot offend. But friends, he came to offend because none of us loves God in the way that we should we all need someone who will expose our sin and we need someone who will pay the debt for our sin Simeon told Mary that a sword would pierce her heart and it seems to me that that is a prophecy about the cross That is a prophecy about Calvary. That is a prophecy of the day that Jesus would be nailed to a crucifix. It's a prophecy of the day that he would cry out, My my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As the sky had darkened, as the judgment of the world fell upon him, when Jesus would be our Passover lamb. When Jesus would be slaughtered as a sacrifice so that the judgment of God would pass over all who put their trust in him. When Jesus would buy us back. When Jesus would pay the purchase price and redeem us as he paid the penalty for our sin. You see, the manger is offensive, because it, 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 it offends our pride. It offends our thoughts about ourselves as being self-made people, self-reliant, independent. It tells us that we're actually sinful people who need a saviour. And it's no surprise that not everybody's thrilled to hear that message. Uh, in verse 34, Simeon said that Jesus would really divide people, that some would be judged whereas others would be saved. He would cause the rising and the falling of many in Israel. And we see that ourselves, don't we? Because for many people, Jesus is just a, just one little part of the, of the whole Aussie Christmas new year kind of thing for many people jesus is just a small segment of christmas and by the time that uh, boxing day rolls 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 around we've kind of forgotten about jesus you know as we lose ourselves in the in the sydney to hobart and in the test cricket looks like it's going to be 5-0 isn't it It's just Pretty easy to lose yourself in that, isn't it? In the department store sales, in the summer holidays and in the routine of life as 2014 uh, we roll into it. But that's a wrong response to Jesus. I always find it interesting when I listen to non-Christians talk about the meaning of Christmas, especially when they do refer to the baby in the manger because what do they say? They say it's about peace, it's about serenity, it's about niceness and the message seems to be that if good neighborliness is possible on one day of the year then there is no reason why it should not be possible on every other day of the year. But the Bible tells us that there is a reason that it's not possible on every other day of the year. And that reason is sin. Jesus did not come so that we could have every every year a Christmas Day and uh, feel inspired by that. Christmas Day does not fix our sin. Only Jesus can do that by entering our world, by dying on the cross. Friends, at the beginning of his life, the parents of Jesus performed a sacrifice. But at the end of his life, Jesus became the sacrifice. This is not a Jesus who we can kind of pack away in his manger and put him in a box and store him away and bring him out again at the same time next year. This is the Jesus who intends to offend us and confront us because this is the Jesus who came to save us by giving his life for us. And so again, as I suggested at Christmas Day and asked the question at the carols' night, have you accepted that gift? Have you put your trust in Jesus' death to pay for your guilt? Have you turned your life over to loving and serving him? as the ruler of your life, because that's why he came. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we do thank you for Jesus. We thank you that uh, he is the fulfilment of all of your promises. We thank you, Father, that all that the Old Testament had taught Was a model which was leading up to jesus that jesus uh, is the passover lamb that he is the one true sacrifice that brings us peace with you father we pray for each one of us that this message of the gospel would be deeply rooted and embedded in our lives help us to be people who do not trust in our own sense of righteousness but are mindful of our sinfulness and our need for a saviour, that we will put our trust in him, that his death indeed has paid for our sin and that, Father, that through him we can have life, the life of forgiveness, the life of relationship with you, the life of eternal life.